all you beautiful people. My name is Amber Enerson. And I'm Kelsey Enerson. And this is our podcast, You Are the Alchemist. Um, this week we're going to discuss uh, dependent personality disorder, which is one of the topics that was requested for us to go over. But I do want to begin this episode by saying that this is not for you to self-diagnose. It is not for me to diagnose you either. Um, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not licensed yet. I'm working on it, but not yet. So if there is any possibility that you think you may be dealing with this or that you may be dealing with other mental health issues, always make sure you seek a professional's help or guidance from a professional. Yeah, this podcast in general as a whole is not professional advice. This is not to replace therapy. It is not to replace your own uh, journey, your own work for yourself. This is just a tool to help where we uh, would like to give you a little boost on some knowledge. That's it. Yeah, sharing information, entertainment purposes for our exciting, <laughs> our exciting personalities and you know, more whimsical, witty qualities. Um, and I am going to also say that this is also very similar to an insecure attachment style. The difference is that with an insecure attachment style, it might manifest itself in different ways. But with dependent personality disorder, it's actually a disorder within your mind and your mental health and your personality, just like other personality disorders. And so. that being said, not a whole lot of people know or some people don't know that there are certain types of attachment styles. I have an anxious attachment style. I do as well. Uh, my wife has a um, avoidant avoidant attachment style. It usually is based on what you experienced as a child, uh, the types of parenting you had. You can look that up. Um, just you can look up it attachment styles yeah and we will cover a little bit of that at the end of the podcast yeah but but just if you're wondering what an attachment style is that there are multiple different attachment styles yeah and it's really how you relate to other people and the way that you interact with other people it can even manifest in your relationship with your own children and it can also manifest in your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with friends co-workers it's just really about your own interpersonal interaction with other people. But um, real quick before we go into all the attachment styles, I'm going to explain a little bit about what dependent personality disorder is. Um, Dependent personality disorder is where somebody will experience feelings of helplessness, submissiveness to their partner. They will have the need to be taken care of and won't be able to, you know, kind of make decisions for themselves Uh, They also may have a constant need for reassurance and even like everyday decisions, like what they're going to wear or what they're going to eat, they won't be able to make those without the help of their spouse or partner or parent or anybody else. And they will also be very needy and show like clinging behavior and have a severe fear of separation and will often stick with like people pleasing tendencies anytime they're afraid of somebody leaving them that way that there's no like uh, reason for somebody to leave them pretty much and then oh where was I at 
often they will respond to fear with submissiveness. And if they are having issues within an immediate relationship, even if it's like a friendship type relationship, they'll seek that dependence from someone else. So like if you're on the outs with your best friend, they'll find a new best friend pretty much to give them what they need in order to make decisions and to give them that reassurance that they're looking for. I'm going to be honest. I I don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm learning as well as everyone else. Um, I have met some people that have some of these qualities, but I think it's more of an attachment issue, not, not a personality issue. Um, I think it's, it's, not as common for people to have the actual disorder as it is to have the attachment. Right. And something to keep in mind is like with any disorder, like even anxiety or depression, it's not labeled a disorder until you have these symptoms for a certain period of time repeatedly. And it's severely affecting your day-to-day life and your ability to function in the day-to-day world. That's often what separates a disorder from just having symptoms of that disorder. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be difficult for someone, like, the, like with this order to, like, hold a regular job. Yes. Or function on their own, living in a household by themselves. Yeah. It and that's be- what that's what the psychiatrist and stuff looks at. Okay. It's, like, so, that kind of stuff. So that's where the line comes with the disorder... And the attachment style. And even the symptomology. Okay. Yeah, because attachment style, you'll have some of these similar symptoms depending on your attachment style. Mm -hmm. But if it's not severely affecting your day-to-day life or your ability to live on your own or your ability to hold down a job, it's not going to be labeled as a disorder. And when you do see a psychiatrist for something like this, it's an evaluation that will first be done by a medical professional Because they want to make sure that there's no physical reason why you're having those issues. Like, if it's a physical illness, that's not mental health. Sometimes you are dependent on somebody else or need that reassurance because you're physically ill. Right. And then if there is no physical reason for that, then that is when it would be labeled as, like, somatic symptoms. And that's when the doctor would recommend that you see a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is going to have their own list of symptoms. You have to have multiple symptoms. You have to have it for a certain period of time. And there's also different assessments and evaluations that a psychiatrist would do before they would diagnose you with dependent personality disorder. Yeah. And like, I, I saw a psychologist or, um, psychiatrist, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. But for years and he was hesitant to diagnose me with any, any kind of disorder because so many disorders do carry a lot of the same symptoms. So he actually sent me for a psych evaluation because a psych evaluation will actually give them a clear understanding of what you actually have. Right. Because so many disorders do overlap with each other. Or you'll have, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word right now, but there is a word for it. Comorbid. You'll have comorbidity with your disorders. So a lot of times, like, anxiety and depression go hand in hand. If you have one, you have both. Um, Stuff like this, like personality disorders, will often be present with mood disorders as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
And that's like what the psych evaluation is for. And it has to be done by a doctor. I'm not, I'm, I can't stress that enough. Do not go on Google. No, <laughs> do not take quizzes. The quizzes will not give you the answers you're looking for. And you could very well end up diagnosed with something you don't actually have. And then you could end up getting yourself into trouble. Yeah, every time I go on, on Google, I have cancer or a, or a brain tumor <laughs> or, you know, I have the most uh, 1% chance of something and I have it. <laughs> so yep. you can convince yourself you have anything if you go on Google enough. You have to see a professional. And then the but the good thing about on the other side is that if with an with an attachment disorder you can or an attachment style you can work on those. Well, you can also work on this too. Well, that's right. I'm going to get into that okay. cuz it's actually like the same it's a similar thing. The sim, the treatment for both medication is not going to treat the issue. So often a psychiatrist may give you a certain medication to help with the symptoms, but you're also going to be... As far as like anxiety medication, probably. Or, yeah, I think that would be mostly, or depression can sometimes make you feel like you can't do anything or you can't do it Well, yeah, they usually treat anxiety and depression with antidepressants because like they treated my anxiety with antidepressants. Okay, yeah, you would know way more They go hand in hand, yeah. (laughs) I know nothing about that. I've never been medicated except for my ADHD, and I actually am not currently taking that medication right now. So props to me. But don't just take yourself off medication if you're not ready. No, yeah, no. (laughs) I'm not advising that either. We will talk more about that. She did it safely and routinely and with help. Yes, very, very much help. (laughs) Don't just take yourself off shit. Yes, that's not what we do. And that is, I actually am taking that in one of my classes right now. I did that and um, my life fell apart and I, um, I, I destroyed my life. So yeah, no, not recommended. That is a zero stars out of five stars. Especially 100% antidepressants do never, I never recommend going cold turkey off antidepressants. And there is safe ways to do that. Your medical professional would help with that if you choose. And I know there's people out there that are listening and I know you personally that have done it. I'm talking to you. (laughs) So that was not what I was recommending. That was mostly just me celebrating myself as being medication-free right now. But you must do it in a safe way, in a controlled environment. Right. Right. Yeah. We got off on a bunny trail. Okay, yeah. So anyways, back to the treatment. (laughs) Um, The treatment outside of medication for dependent personality disorder and attachment styles is actually very similar. So when you are going to counseling... Often the treatment you're going to undertake or the treatment that would be recommended by the counselor, and this is all stuff that I researched, again, do not take my word for it. Go see a professional. I'm just giving you information. Um, Normally what they would focus on is developing self-confidence and then new attitudes and perspectives about yourself in relation to other people. So if I were someone with dependent personality disorder, then I might go through cognitive behavioral therapy that would teach me to view my beliefs and thoughts in a different perspective in relation to other people. So say I have dependent personality disorder. I expect my sister to tell me how to live my life. Um, you never listen anyways. Yes. I try. To. <laughs> I try. But I expect my sister to tell me how to live my life. 
I'm overly dependent on her. It's making me unable to function in my day-to-day life. And it's also adding a burden to her that she can't take. (laughs) So then I might go to a counselor. And that counselor might teach me that I do have the ability to make wise decisions. Or I can trust myself to choose what is best. And they would take you through like a several step process that would be like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is. So asking when you said trust yourself to make decisions, that could be rooted in your childhood, right? Right. And it's also rooted in attachment style. Because it could be rooted from your parents not giving you the options to make your own decisions. Right. Or it could be rooted in. Being told never, that your decisions aren't Never right. being allowed. Yeah, never being allowed to make your own decisions. Certain right. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a lot. Almost everything you will find in mental health, almost everything is interrelated and correlated. And even like... Big words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're all connected. How's that? Is that better? That's better. Everything is connected. And most of it starts when you're a child. And... I actually do have issues trusting myself. I question my decisions all the time. So do I. But that would be something that, like, cognitive behavioral therapy would do, like, okay, so you have trouble trusting yourself. So I want you to pick out an outfit that makes you feel really fantastic. And even if that outfit doesn't make sense to anybody else, which sometimes they don't, let me tell you. I have a weird style. I like mixing and matching patterns, you know, different colors. Yep. I like it all. She shows up, and I'm like, what the fuck are you wearing? (laughs) But hey, we love her anyway. But then say you wear that outfit, and oh, I'm glad that you guys love me. (laughs) I I should have commented on that earlier. As far as your perfume, though, no. I don't have any on today. Not today. I told you not to wear your perfume here. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to say, I purposely didn't put any on today. I'm sure it smells good to a lot of people, but it gives me a headache. (laughs) What doesn't? Well, yeah, I wake up with headaches every day, but moving on. Yes. So say I wear an outfit that I really, really like, and I think, oh, everybody's going to hate this outfit. But then I go out and I get complimented on that outfit. Then that is teaching me that I can trust my decisions because even though I didn't think other people would like it, I still had the confidence to wear it because I loved it. And then other people complimenting you on what you were wearing then reinforces the belief that you actually can make your own decisions. I have that same issue with my face. Uh, Your face is beautiful. Stop (laughs) it. Stop it. I wore my normal face today. Your face is gorgeous. (laughs) I haven't worn makeup since my uh, surgery. And I told Brooke last night, I was like, this is the longest I've gone without wearing makeup. And (laughs) she was like, it's not like you need it. And I was like, why are you fucking lying to me? (laughs) You don't need it. Well, I have always told you ever since you were younger that you have that natural beauty. You have clear skin. You don't have any issues with that. You have like perfect, like olivey undertones. Okay. Yeah. Just stop. Whatever. Okay. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) I'm going to be quiet for a while. So we stop getting off on tangents no the tangents are what makes this so relatable and so much fun I think anyways but that CBT that would be like cognitive behavioral therapy that's what most counselors and therapists would take them through a process to learn to trust yourself and a process to understand that you cannot control anything that is happening outside of you 
So you still have to have the confidence to show up the way that is most authentic and true to you and trust that the people in your life are in your life for a reason. And the reason that they're there is because they love you as your true authentic self. And that would be some of the different things that they would teach you with dependent personality disorder is how to make decisions, how to trust your decisions, how to have self-confidence, understanding that you don't need somebody else to confirm or deny your decisions. And if they don't accept you for your authentic self, then fuck them and get them out of your life. Absolutely. And don't fuck them in a good way. No, no. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on podcasts. Or imply that. What? The fucking them in a good way. I don't know if we're allowed to imply that. I take it back, I guess. I don't... (laughs) Don't cancel us. This is an explicit podcast. That's true. Um... It is true. We did label that. We did warn people. So... This is America, right? It is. (laughs) Free speech. (laughs) It is. And uh, another thing that they might do is, like, assertiveness training. Because a lot of times people who are suffering from like a dependent personality disorder they don't know how to take charge or take lead of their own life so that would be another option that maybe a counselor would take you through is like giving you that assertiveness training so that you don't have people who are taking advantage of that personality disorder because there are people in the world who will do that just like they know that you're a people pleaser they know that you always do what everybody else wants you to do so they may take advantage of that and have you doing things that don't feel good to you, but you still do them because you're afraid of losing that person. And usually, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, it looks like you're been, thinking. Yeah, no, I was thinking that I, I was, I did that for a very long time. I still do that. I'm so guilty of it. Yeah, I think most people are because yeah. there's so much fear unless you're like avoidant. Most avoidance then will act out and intentionally do something. That will piss someone off because it's easier than allowing someone to be close to them type of thing. Yeah. It just, it really depends. Yeah. Um, And often, this is the last part on the personality disorder. Then we'll get into like the attachment styles. But often people don't realize that they have dependent personality disorder. A lot of times the things will manifest as like anxiety or depression. And then they'll seek counsel on their anxiety and depression. And it's through that process that they will eventually come to the realization that they have dependent personality disorder through working with the counselor, through the evaluations that are given to them, through the different um, diagnostic tests that a psychiatrist would give you. That's usually when they find out that it's dependent personality disorder, but the original symptomology shows up as anxiety or depression. So that was just a a side note there. Mm -hmm. A lot of times those will be the first thing that you notice. And I think that's because most people are familiar with that. Like most people are more familiar with anxiety or depression rather than the DSM-5 personality disorders and mood disorders and the 900,000 different things that are in that book. I have to study that book for school. And let me tell you, it is (laughs) intense. There's so many things that you would not expect that are actually part of other disorders and you start, I start reading the book and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much in here. Yeah. But the thing with the DSM five is that you have to have at least five or more of the symptoms, right? 
No, no. So the DSM-5 is just the fifth edition. The DSM-5 is like all of the disorders and then it lists out. So there'll be like a a category A, category B, category C, category D, and category E. And you have to have like two symptoms in category A and three symptoms in category B. I knew it had something to do with you had to have specific symptoms. Yeah, in each category. There's multiple symptoms listed and you have to have at least... So many of these, so many of these, because I was talking to my therapist about someone else that was in my life that <laughs> we were trying to figure out what was what, wrong with them. what was wrong with them. <laughs> was it me? She, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was it was Shane. But um, yeah, we were. So she gave me the printout of the DSM five, and she was like, "Did he have these symptoms?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep." <laughs> And a lot of times it'll be like you have to have category A, category C, and category F. or And you have to have it for between three weeks and six weeks and up to six months. And that's yeah, it has why, to be a prolonged period yeah, of time. That's yeah. why before you go self-diagnosing, you have to talk to a counselor. Yeah, and like, like you were saying with anxiety, like anxiety gets a – it's such a blanket thing mm-hmm. for uh, – anxiety could be so many – fucking things like it's yeah it has so many symptoms and it gets wrapped up with a lot of things and people are just like oh it's just my anxiety and it's like no mm-hmm. you might have something else like yep. you need to you need to go see a specialist like you need to and then something i want to say that even you didn't do is i do not suggest people go to a general practitioner if they feel they are having a mental disorder or mental whatever you would call it. Um, a mental health problem mental versus, health, yeah. yeah. I don't want to say disorder. But if you feel like you're struggling with your mental health, I do not suggest going to a general practitioner. I suggest going and seeing an actual someone that, someone that specializes in mental the mental health field. Yeah, because when I went for ADHD, I just went to the general practitioner. Yes. And he literally told me nothing. I Everything that I've learned about ADHD is because of yes. me or because of my sister-in-law or because yeah. people researched it and told me. It yeah. wasn't because my general practitioner told me nothing. And a lot of times people go to their GP for, like, something, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, you have depression. Here, take this. And won't even research the medication won't won't look to see True. if it's good for that person. You know, I was put on medications by my general practitioner that were terrible for my body and I didn't know it until I took the gene site test, which I suggest people look up if you're on uh depression. We can look up that link, right? And I can put it in the gene site, yeah. G E N E S I T E. Which I will look up that link and actually put it in the show notes mm-hmm. so that you guys can have access to that. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be something that everyone could take if they really wanted to. Like, just to see. It's it's specifically for mental health medication. Okay. Um, if you are on mental health medication, it's a DNA swab for your genes. It tells you which medications work best with your genetics. There are some that are absolutely a no, and they will be in your red zone. There are some, and th- those will react the worst with your body. They will give you the 
the bad reactions, the bad uh, side effects. Uh, then there's a yellow zone, which is a bit more, you can, you can tolerate those uh, better. And then there's the green zone, which are supposedly supposed to be the best for your body. Okay, so if you are currently taking mental health medication or you have currently been prescribed mental health medication, this would be something you may want to look into so that you don't have a repeat of what my sister had to go through. Yes, it saved my life. I'm not joking when I say that. And I think uh, this is honestly something that I've already told her before that I'm going to do my thesis on because I think it is something that should be available to anyone. I think it should be required. Yeah. I think it should be required before anyone is given any type of mental health medication because I I almost lost my life because I was given the wrong medication so right so I will add that to the show notes and then we are getting a little yeah I'm I'm sorry it's okay no that's good (laughs) like we 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 went that kind of stuff but we are going to go real quick into the difference between attachment styles and um the dependent personality disorder I'll let you hammer that out I'm going to zip my lips (laughs) Well, you don't have to, but, okay, so, attachment style. There is an insecure attachment style, and then there is a secure attachment style. Secure attachment style is, like, when you see a healthy relationship. Two people that can function well together, there's not, there's good communication, there's good, like, just, if you think of a healthy relationship, and a secure attachment style most likely plays a role. And sometimes you'll have someone with a secure attachment style and you'll have a a person with an insecure attachment style within the same couple. So the secure person would be better equipped to handle an insecure attachment style. And then the insecure attachment style is pretty much divided up into three categories. I could honestly do a whole episode on this. So I'm just going to do like an overall. at some point. Yeah, we will do one at some point. But I'm just going to do an overall generalization. So secure attachment style is like a healthy individual. Insecure attachment style is like someone who most likely had things in their childhood that put them into a position where relationships are difficult for them. Um, Anxious attachment style, which is what me and Kelsey have, is more of you're so afraid of losing this person that you will either compromise your own needs, you'll do people pleasing, you will be very, very clingy, it makes it very, very difficult to trust someone. Constantly need reassurance. Yes, all the time. Um, and it is like, it almost, like, relationships are difficult, but you want a relationship more than anything else because you need, like, that second person. It's like a need, a necessity. You have to have someone else with you because you don't like the idea of being alone. Avoidant attachment styles are similar in the fact that they very, very much desire a relationship, but when somebody gets too close to them, they will often push that person away, or they will withdraw, or they will remove their affection if they're angry or upset, and it's very, very difficult for them to trust someone, and again, there's a lot that goes into this. I can't go into all of it in this episode. Yeah, because there's subcategories too. Yeah. Like dismissive avoidant. There's all kinds of. Well, and it, it, it can paint it in a really bad light too. Yes. Yeah. But both of these insecure attachment styles are rooted in fear. And it's rooted in the fear that 
your person is going to leave you mm-hmm. or your best friend's not going to be your best friend anymore. Or if you don't do what your parents want you to do, then they're no longer going to give you their affection. And it comes from a need for survival when you're younger because humans are wired for connection. And it is ingrained in our lizard brain, the amygdala, you know, the oldest part of our brain. It's ingrained that if you don't have a tribe and you're not part of a group, it's very likely you won't survive because that's how it was back when we had nomadic villages and stuff, pretty much. So it's pretty much an evolutionary thing. But our that part of our brain just didn't evolve when we started to learn about, like, emotions and all of that stuff. I don't know. The brain's too complex for me. Yeah, (laughs) the brain is very complex. But it's pretty much like that part of your brain never evolved beyond the point of thinking it's a life or death situation if you don't have people in your life. And then I actually borderline am anxious avoidant. If I get to the point where I'm too anxious, it's almost easier for me to not have anyone. I just, I don't want people because that way I don't have to be attached to them. I don't have to be afraid because I'm fine on my own. And that's like a hybrid of anxious avoidant. And then you have just avoidant, which doesn't have like that anxiousness of I need to keep this person close. It's more like I need this person as far away from me as possible. And then the anxious by itself is like, I can't be without this person all the time. I have to have this person with me. I am fully dependent on this person. And if they leave, I will never, ever find somebody else that I can love again, is pretty much how an anxious person thinks. And then an avoidant person is more like, oh, no, I don't need anybody because I'm better off by myself. And it's better off to not have those issues. And then if you're anxious avoidant like me, you get the best of both worlds. (laughs) So... That makes relationships very difficult, but I digress. We will discuss this further in another episode because there's a lot more that goes into it, but the difference is that that is your attachment style. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a disorder. Yes, it can mimic the disorder. Or the disorder can mimic that. Yeah, either way, whatever. And all all of it is rooted in fear. Right. So if you can learn to rewire that fear and retrain your fear or to not allow the fear to change what you do, then that will help even with the dependent personality disorder. It'll help with the symptoms of that as well as like your attachment style. Bottom line, you just need to seek help. Like yes. it doesn't, it, that's what it all comes down to. I, I have an anxious attachment And whether you seek help, like there are coaches that you can seek help from. There are mental health professionals you can seek help from. If you believe that it is a disorder, that is definitely a mental health professional. But if it is something like an attachment style, they have coaches that specifically work with that. I did a lot of self-help, self-work on myself and mine and my wife's, and my wife did as well. And mine and my wife's relationship has improved abundantly. Right. Because we recognized our attachment styles. We worked with them. We figured out what we needed to do for each other. And for yourself. And for ourselves. And we're not perfect, obviously. I still have my anxieties and I still need reassurance and so on and so forth. But it is something that you can work on. But if you need guidance, there are tools on the internet. There are, there are therapists. There are, if you're the type of person that needs direction you can call up a therapist, you can look up stuff on the internet, coaching programs, whatnot. 
which I am actually pretty adept in that. So, you know, you can always shoot me a message too. I can help you with that kind of thing. Amber is creating her own coaching program currently. So that is exciting. It is exciting. But also along what Kelsey said, I did a lot of that on my own. And the coaching programs pretty much, you still have to do the work, but the coaching program gives you a map. So like you still have to do the work yourself, but coaching programs, coaches, guides can give you a map on what to look at and what to do and can give you the knowledge that you need. It took without having to research 200,000 articles. (laughs) And I I spent two and a half years. Mm -hmm. I spent two and a half years figuring all this on my own. You can ask Kelsey. I did not talk about anything else or do anything else for two and a half years besides that. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of annoying. (laughs) <laughs> but I finally got into the point where I've gotten to like a well-balanced area and it takes time. But if you do need guidance, that's when you could look up a coach or someone like me or message me. Or you can message someone else that you know that is working on that same type of thing. Or you can go to a counselor. You can go to a therapist. You can go to a mental health professional of any sort. You can go to a psychiatrist if you feel it's at the disorder level. There are so many resources. So never, ever, ever feel like you're alone and have to figure it out on your own. Yeah, and never feel like you're the only one that struggles with it because everyone has an attachment style. It's true. Everyone. It's very true. Some people are just more, it's more vis- secure, visible. Well, and some of them, some people are just secure. Yeah. Like they just have a secure attachment style. Yeah. And that's really what the goal is, is the goal is to eventually get to a point where you have a secure attachment style, where you're not fully dependent on someone else, but you also are not hyper independent where you don't need or want anyone else, if that makes sense. Because yeah. we are wired for connection. Humans are wired for connection. I mean, you still want to be open for love, so. Right. And even friendship and your family. It, it doesn't stop at relationships. Like, yeah. Attachment style is for everyone. Children. It, yep. It's, it's even kids. with yeah. the way you interact with your kids, too. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think that's about it for this week. Um, if you do want to, feel free to send us an email. I got a couple emails this week that I absolutely loved. I love hearing from you guys, any of our listeners. Um, if you have any questions, concerns. Uh, For the next, I would say, seven to nine weeks, we're not going to be doing any requests because I want to do like a mini series on how your body keeps the score and how different emotions are stored in different parts of your body. So if you do have a request, it might not be for a couple months that we would cover it, but we still would like to get those requests. If you want to send it to an email, I'll attach that in the show notes too. Cool. And remember, like, review, share. Uh, we do have our Facebook page up. Yeah, we have quite a few followers, over 100 followers already. I know. So, that's exciting. Yeah. And I am going to be starting probably within the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be doing like a weekly newsletter type thing that you can get to your email if you want it. And it's going to be like different keys to transformation that you can focus on for that week. But that's not going to start for a couple of weeks probably. Okay. All right. Until next time. Bye.